Well, church, 2020 is almost over. Can I get a yes and amen? Man, oh man, how many of y'all have been looking at that December 30, well, 30 days past September, April, June, and November, December 31st? Looking at that, that calendar date saying, man, let, let 2020 go somewhere. Um, there, there's a kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to move on from this year. It has, been, it has been a doozy. We'll talk about it next week some more. But I think for many people, there's kind of a longing for something different, man. We're like, hey, get me out of here. Get me out of this place. That, that yearning we have for, for something new, for something to get behind us, is a small reflection of the yearning of God's people during those hundreds of years of silence that, that Jeremy Riggs was sharing with us as we opened our service today. The last prophet, Malachi, prophesied about one who would come, who would be an Elijah, who would pave the way for God's Messiah to come. But little did God's people know that 400 years of silence would follow. And they yearned, and they longed for God to speak up again. And as I shared with you guys last week, this is why in those Christmas songs we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom this captive Israel. Like, there's a longing for God to come. When, and when he does, we, word of the Father, now, now in flesh appearing. And that's why it's that invitation, well, let's come and, come and adore him. Because there's a longing for the trials of today to get behind us and for the realities of Christ to come. And that's where God's people, God's people were at as we come into the book of Matthew and to the beginning of the New Testament. The first four books of the, Bible, of the New Testament are the Gospels that share the life of Jesus and his arrival. And we come to the book of Luke and we, we hear the stories of his coming. And in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And then the angels tell these shepherds to go see this baby. Mary and Joseph amazed at what God's doing. Eight days after his birth, they circumcise him and give him the name Jesus. About 40 days later, they show up in Jerusalem to dedicate this baby in the temple. And as we saw last Sunday, they meet a man named Simeon. An oldie but a goodie, church. He puts this baby in his arms and he has this amazing prophecy saying, this is the one we've been waiting for. But then we come after Simeon and they meet someone else there in the temple. A woman named Anna. What we're going to see from Anna's life is that she, like Simeon, wanted to see this child. She wanted to see Jesus. And church, I hope that's your desire this Christmas, that you would want to see Jesus. Because we live this life, we must understand that those who wait on Jesus will witness Jesus. And when you witness Jesus, you will be his witness. Let me say that again. Those who wait on Jesus will witness Jesus. And when you witness Jesus, you will be his witness. This is what we see in Anna's life and as we open God's word, because we're going to see a woman whose desire is to look upon the Messiah and could then say, I saw him. And then she could not stay quiet. Church, let that be true of us as well. As we turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, would you meet me there and rise to your feet? As I read Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. Here we see Anna. We could read between, between the lines. We see her longing. We see her wanting. And this is what God's word says. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, 
and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting, uh, with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated, church. Church, I want us to learn how to long to see Jesus and to wait for Jesus and then be his witness today. As we look at Anna's story, we're going to see something about a woman who, who understood what it was to wait on God. And I know some of you guys are waiting on God right now for some things. Maybe for answered prayers. Maybe for joy that's, that, that would come one day through your struggles. Maybe there's a longing for his return. I know I find myself so often becoming dull to the realities of Christ's return. In fact, it's not rare where one of my sons, when I'm tucking them in, will ask me, do you think Jesus will come back in our day? And in my flesh, I want to say probably not. That, that's not longing. But in my spirit, I'm saying, man, he can come tonight. See, we, we as a church, as a people of God, if you've put your faith in Jesus, must learn to wait on our God for prayer, for his return. And we see this in Anna, this woman waiting on God. It tells us here in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. A remarkable description of this lady, isn't that? I want you to see something about her. Because we're going to learn that she was a woman who was waiting for God, but she wasn't just passively waiting. She was actually worshiping while she was waiting, church. She was continuing to keep her eyes on God, even as she waited upon God for answers to her prayers, for breakthrough in her struggle, for hope for tomorrow. She was still worshiping while waiting. We're given the first description that she was a prophetess. What a dope title to give this woman. See, a prophet in the Bible is someone to whom God spoke and through whom God spoke. Prophets were those that God had revealed himself to them in a unique way, and they were able to interpret the times and give a message for God's people. Oftentimes, those messages were warnings. Like, God, God has revealed himself to you. Why are you straying for him, from him? There's only a handful of women named as prophetesses throughout the entire Bible, and Anna is one of them. She is one to whom God spoke, and she is one through whom God spoke. One thing we'll find throughout these birth narratives is this coming of Jesus is that God is speaking through and using the voice of women. He first uses Elizabeth, this elderly woman, and then he comes to Mary, this teenage girl, and now he comes to Anna, who's quite old, and we'll get to that in a moment. God giving voice to women in a culture that didn't have a voice for them. In our own day and age, we see our culture really striving to empower in a great way the voice of women. And it comes out in Hollywood too, doesn't it? This is why so many are, are drawn to movies like Wonder Woman or Mulan or, or to Ray in Star Wars. Right there, There's these movies that are, that are giving voice and identity and, and strength and courage to women. And that's a beautiful thing. But one thing I want us to understand is that's not a new idea. In fact, that's always been about God's plan. 
God is a God who has always validated the testimony and voices of women, even when the cultures that they found themselves in did not do so. Notice here how in the birth narratives, it is Elizabeth, it is Mary, and it is Anna who are testifying to the Messiah, church. In fact, in this chapter alone, there are two witnesses, which is required in Jewish law for a testimony to be valid. The first was Simeon we saw last week, and boy, what a witness he was. But the Jewish people would not have expected a woman to be the second one. But God's like, that's, that's my plan. Anna will be one who is a prophetess. She'll be one to whom I speak, and she'll be one through whom I speak, because I want you to hear through her what I'm doing. And so the first description given, she was a prophetess, and her name was Anna. In fact, actually, the name literally is Hannah. She is not the first lowly Hannah to find herself in God's presence praying. First, in fact, Samuel's mother was named Hannah in the Old Testament. Now this Hannah or this Anna of the New Testament is taking a page from Hannah's Old Testament book. There in the temple in God's presence praying and interceding. A prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. We don't know who Phanuel is. Perhaps the original readers did. Or maybe no one did. But God, again, giving validity to people who were forgotten. Of the tribe of Asher. The tribe of Asher is actually one of the lost ten tribes of Israel, but not lost to God. He is there grabbing and taking in his people and speaking to them through Anna. She's of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. How old? Well, she lived with her husband for seven years and then became a widow until she was 84. In fact, this phrase, until she was 84, can actually be interpreted for 84 more years. And it, depending on your Bible translation, it may say one or the other or have a footnote pointing you to the other interpretation. So taken one way, Anna, at the youngest, was 84 years old, having been a widow for, for, since she was about 20 years old. Or she became a widow at about 20 and was a widow for another 84 years, which would put her at about 104 years old. However you slice this thing, Anna is between 84 and 104 years old, most likely. She ain't no spring chicken, church. (laughs) What I find so fascinating here as well, as she is worshiping in her waiting, is that here we have another elderly person in the birth narratives. I I, got to point this out, because in the book of Luke, it opens up with a, a priest named Zechariah, uh, an angel coming to him in his elderly age, telling him that his wife in her elderly age would become pregnant. They were, as Luke says, advanced in years. (laughs) And then we come to Simeon, a guy who's so old, he's like, God told me I I can't die until I see Jesus. And then he sees Jesus, he's like, all right, God, I can go now. (laughs) And then we have Anna, this 84 years younger, 104 years old woman. I've got to say this, even pause, because it's crazy to me how in our culture, I believe that many of the elderly people in our culture feel so invalidated. Culturally, we are so impatient with the aged. It's, it's rampant. God is not impatient with the aged. In fact, God empowers their voice that they are central to the arrival of Jesus. Central. And isn't it interesting, he uses about a 13-year-old girl named Mary or these elderly people to do his work. Most of us are in between, and yet we think we're all that, right? 
But here God is validating the elderly, the aged. I want to say this to you who are young, and I'll let you interpret that. (laughs) Surround yourself with some old folks, and I'll let you interpret that as well. Because a life well lived is a life that's well listened to. And we need their voices through their struggles and successes in life. And to those of us or those of you who are getting older, the Bible says in Proverbs that a gray hair, gray head is a crown of wisdom. And I notice that some of you are getting really wise out there. I want you to, to not resist that. Because in our fear in our culture is that age brings invalidation. But don't go with the culture. With age comes wisdom if we obey God. But listen here to the aged, and I'll let you decide who you are. You have a voice. And sometimes I think insecurity causes elderly people in our churches to become silent because they feel like, you know, I want to let the younger people do their thing. But, you know, we got some, we got some, we got some anchors in this church, y'all. <clears throat> some, some of them were here yesterday making deliveries. Some of them are here testifying. But I, I want, if you're older today, if you consider yourself senior, all right, you've got a voice. And be obedient to use it. Please be obedient to use it. Because the church is better off with you in it speaking than with you in it silent. Now we get to listen to Anna. Here she is in the temple. In verse 38, I won't get there yet, but it says that she spoke to people who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You remember reading it. Another description we have of Anna is that she was one who was waiting for redemption. She was waiting for God to arrive and save his people. Psalm 130 says this in verses 7 and 8, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from what? All her iniquities. See, Anna, like Simeon, were elderly people who were waiting for God to come in order to redeem and console them from their great enemy called sin. I've been amazed by this this Christmas. This is one thing God has shown me very clearly this Christmas that I don't know if I've quite gotten before. Is that oftentimes I read the Bible and I think, man, they had no clue Jesus was coming as he did. And in many ways, no. But in some ways, actually, yeah. There were some who read the pages and said, man, I don't know if I'm connecting these dots, but something's going to happen that's, that's different than what I've been told. God's going to come and save us, but not, not from Rome, actually but from a greater enemy called sin and death. And Anna was one of those people who understood that she had an oppressor greater than any nation, but an oppressor called sin, and she waited for her redemption. She waited. And as she waited, she worshiped. Now, I don't want us to skip over a very important thing here. Anna was a widow, church. After being married for seven years, Many Jewish girls got married in their young teen years. Maybe she got married at 13, 14, which means she was a widow at 21. We don't know how her husband died. We're not told that she had any kids. All we know is that in that culture, her covering was removed. 
Here's a woman who went through untold sorrow. We, we could just look between the lines of these verses, and we probably could see tears on the page, right? What kind of prayers did she cry out when her husband was dying? What kind of mourning did she go through after she was left a widow in her early 20s? Anna was a woman who experienced grief. And if we go too quickly, we read over that word widow and overlook that. Life did probably not go the way she planned it to go. If she was a sporting coach, this is not the way she drew it up on the whiteboard. If she was a director, that's not the way the script was supposed to be written. And some of you could say, man, that's my life. This is not the way I drew it up. This is not the way I expected it to be when I was 17 years old in high school. This is not the way it was supposed to be, to be upon graduating from college. This is not the way it's supposed to turn out when I thought I was marrying someone I loved. This is not the way it was supposed to be when I thought about these great dreams, but it's not panning out. And there is grief and sorrow. And you're waiting on God for comfort and hope. Anna did the same. But as I read these pages, Anna worshipped in her waiting. It didn't say she didn't grieve, but she worshipped in her waiting. And so while we wait on God, let's worship God. Like Anna, we can relate to waiting. Maybe not quite in the same way as she did. After all, we do know the Messiah came. And she didn't know that was coming, at least when he came. When we wait, we, 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 we're not wondering what the Messiah is going to do and the way he's going to do it. Like, we know that. But, but Anna did it, so she was waiting on God to reveal that. But like Anna, we wait on a God, our God, to meet us in our pain. Like Anna, we wait on God to console us in our struggles, to reveal his great plan, to answer those longing prayers. Like, we're waiting like she waited. We're not waiting for God to send Jesus the first time, but we are waiting for God to send him a second. We're waiting for God to come and fully establish his kingdom, aren't we, church? We're, we're waiting on God to finally evacuate sin from this body of mine. I hope you're like me, because I'm, I'm, I'm like Anna. I'm waiting for God to completely evict unbelief from this mind of mine. Because I still struggle from time to time. I'm waiting for the full redemption of this body, this broken body. So I can relate to Anna in different ways, and I pray we all can. But like Anna, let's worship while we wait. Look what it says about her in verse 37. It says, then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not, what, depart from where? The temple. Doing what? Worshiping. How? With prayer and fasting. Listen, Anna, while waiting on God, made it her ambition to spend a lot of time in God's house. And while there, she's like, I'm not leaving this place. Now, of course, she probably left it at different times. But there, there, is, a, there is an image here of a woman who was resolved to being in God's presence, even in her struggles. What are you resolving for as you look into 2021? Are you just resolving to get 2020 over with? Or are you resolving to get closer to this God of ours? Are you resolving to worshiping him while in your waiting? Are you resolving to spend time with him in prayer and to spend time with him in fasting, getting to know this God? That's what Anna did. 
She worshipped. The English word worship means worth-ship. To, to ascribe worth to something. Not to, not to give worth to something. We, we don't give worth to God. We ascribe His worth. We, we declare His worth. God's got worth whether or not you give it to Him. But you get the privilege in worship to declare it. And that's what she did. She worshipped Him. And it, it says here, she did so with fasting and prayer. A lot of times we think of worship, we think of songs only. And surely songs express worship. But so does fasting and prayer. We talk about prayer here as a church, and we want us to understand that prayer is not about a formula of words that you speak. But it is about communion with your God. It is calling upon the great God of eternity and saying, Lord, I need you. I want to declare your worth. I want to express my gratitude. I want to bring to you my petitions. God, I want to confess my sins. This is prayer. And prayer is powerful because, as my, 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 my a mentor of mine, Crawford Lewis, says, prayer is powerful because God, the God to whom we pray is powerful. It's not because these words we speak, but it's because to whom we speak these words. And so there is Anna understanding her God as powerful, and she spends her time in his presence praying to him. And she also does so with fasting. Fasting in the Bible is the withholding of food for spiritual purposes. It is to to withhold because a lot of times our lives revolve around food, don't they? Especially as Americans. You are always about 400 feet from a restaurant, it feels like. And what fasting does is it begins to break those chains of our food addictions. It begins to change up that rhythm of our lives that always thinks, I got to eat after another meal, after another meal. And fasting says, God, I hunger for you more than I'm hungering for food right now. God, I I want you so much so that I'm going to withhold something like food that's distracting me and that I'm depending on, and I want my food to be you in your presence. This is a regular part of the Christian life. Jesus says when you fast, making it an expectation, a regular part of our Christian life, not a blip on the radar. Anna practiced prayer and fasting. Church, I'm going to give you a sneak peek because in 2021, we are excited to venture into a time of prolonged prayer and fasting as a church. We'll be sharing more details with you next week. But our prayer is the beginning January 4th for us to have an extended time of fasting from different things for spiritual purposes. So we can align our vision to God and say, Lord, I want to know you. That's what Anna did. And she was resolved to wait. And she was resolved to worship while she waited. But notice else here. Because when we worship while we wait... We will also then become witnesses. See, those who wait on God will witness God. Those who wait on Jesus will witness Jesus. And that's what happens for Anna because she is there pursuing God. And look what happens in verse 38. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. Coming up that very hour. Now what is being told here, coming up what very hour? Watch this. There is likely thousands of people in the temple right now or in the temple courts. There are 1,440 minutes in a day. Anna walks into the temple at the exact time 
that Mary and Joseph arrive with Jesus and Simeon puts that child in his arms. Anna, by coincidence, come on church, Anna was placed there by God at the perfect time because she was waiting on Jesus and God's like, I'm going to have you witness Jesus. When you wait on me, I want you to see me. And there Jesus shows up as a baby and Anna shows up and sees him. She hears what Simeon is saying and she's blown away. This is God's providential workings. He just shows up in our lives, church. It's part of his grace to show up. And there she is just showing up as she hears Simeon essentially saying, this is the one who would crush the serpent's head. This is the one who would console Israel. This is the one who will put an end to this war, to forgive our sins, to defeat death, and to save the nations. And she is hearing this and saying, yes, Lord. As she waited on Jesus, she witnessed Jesus. She saw the Messiah. And then what does she do? She doesn't stay silent, church. Because when you witness Jesus, you would then become his witness. Like when you come into encounter God, when you see God at work and when you've come to put your faith in Jesus as the one who lived for you and died for you and rose from the dead from you, you can't shut up. You can't help but tell people what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And she becomes his witness like that because we're told here that she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all How many? All All who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There were people who were purposely waiting. They're like, God, when will you come to forgive me of our sins? When will you come to defeat this horrible thing called sin? And there Anna's like, the answer has arrived. He's here. And there are others who are waiting but don't know they're waiting. You hear their waiting and their cries and their groanings. And the people in your lives, church, who don't know Jesus are waiting for something they don't know they're waiting for. Will you be like Anna and tell them? Maybe you're here today in person or you're watching online and live stream. And you didn't know what you were waiting for, but you knew there was something in your heart. Something's missing here. What's missing is Jesus. You see, this Jesus would become a man at the age of 30 or so would enter publicly into ministry, perform works and miracles that only God could do. This Jesus would go to a cross because that was the only way for God to have a relationship with you. Because Jesus took the punishment you deserved and I deserved. And when we believe in him, this exchange of of my sin goes to Jesus and his righteousness comes to me, to you, when you put your faith in him. So that when he rose from the dead three days later, you can raise to new life. That's the hole that's been missing in your heart. If you're a child of God today, remember that. And then go tell somebody, please, that he who came to redeem the nations has come. God has come, and Anna becomes his witness. See, in this chapter, I I love how we see people who are lowly. Mary and Joseph arrive with Jesus, too poor to even afford their own sacrifice. 
Simeon, a man who probably didn't have much to his possessions there, prophesying. Anna, this widow who is here lowly, rejected in culture, validated by God. In this chapter and throughout the opening chapters, in fact, throughout the Bible, we find that we serve a God who cares about the oppressed, the poor, the afflicted, the widows, the orphan, the struggling, the suffering. And if that's you today, God is near you. This is the beauty of the Christmas message. Because God came to this earth poor to save us who were poor in spirit and to redeem us. You know, this uh, weekend, we got to spend a lot of time with people who are hurting through these deliveries, through phone calls. Uh, Many of you in this church made a lot of phone calls this weekend to let people know that God heard them. I spoke to a woman, woman here in this church last week who wrote a letter to the brook weeks ago, not knowing us, asking for help. And at the time, I was a bit taken by I didn't know what to do with that. And, and finally, when God provided this gift for us to bless others, I gave her a call, and, and I just like, hey, this is what, what we believe God wants us to do for you. And, and I asked her, I said, by the way, like, what, what made you write a letter to the church? And she says, a friend of mine told me, a God, told me to write a letter and that God would hear me. God heard her prayer. Some of y'all got to meet people who are broken down in tears, and we made it clear that this gift is not from the brook by itself. This is God who heard you. God heard your cries. God saw your pain. And God wants you to know you are not alone. My prayer is that they would keep hearing. And some maybe even on live streaming right now because we, man, we're like, please join us on that live stream, please. I want to tell you about a woman I spoke with. Um, Actually, one of our callers spoke with on Thursday. Um, She shared with us that she's presently homeless and living in a hotel in the suburbs and doesn't have a car. So we mentioned these these Christmas uh, baskets that we wanted to take. She mentioned, but I, I live far away. Do you think you think you can still send it to me? If not, I'll find a way to get there. And we, we made some phone calls, and uh, there was someone in our church that said, no, we'll, we'll take it to them on, to her on Sunday, today. And so I texted the lady, and I said, hey, she texted me, actually, like, hey, any updates? Yeah. I said, you know, yes, uh, we have someone who's going to deliver to you uh, t- tomorrow. I'm going to read for you what she told me via text. Now, this is a conversation, so I'm cutting and pasting here. But this is what she told me. It's lengthy, but I, I, I want you to hear it. She says, that's amazing that someone would deliver to her. Thank you all so much for sharing God's grace with us. Please add us to your prayers for a permanent home as we are living in a hotel. No complaints, because God has truly been good to us. When we came to this place, I was so discouraged. But God gave us a word. He took us to the story of Elijah and how he provided a brook and the ravens would feed him. She says, well, God meant that spiritually and physically. When the school shared the name of your ministry, I wept. I said, Lord, you're so faithful, the brook. And then she says, we are simply amazed at his love and care. God bless all of you for taking care of the widow and fatherless. 
My dear husband passed away almost two years ago, and we were already suffering hardships, so when he passed, God knows. He had a stroke that led to his transition. My husband and I were married 26 years. Seven beautiful kids and two grandsons. She told me this. My cry is, use all of it, Lord. She told us they started a homeless ministry in her homelessness. Her three younger kids are 8, 12, and 14. <laughs> Pretty much my kids' ages. But then she told me this. She says, oh, and about our room cost each week, God sends manna. <laughs> she says, I can't make this up, my dear brother in Christ. I hope my sharing ignited a fire in you that cannot be put out. Your labor is not in vain. I told her, a fire in me? I got to pick myself up off the floor here. (laughs) Amen. I told her, I said, tomorrow I'm preaching from the book of Luke chapter 2 on the story of Anna. She was a widow as well. And also a woman of profound faith. It says that she kept worshiping and praying and fasting, waiting on Jesus. And then I told her, I feel like I'm texting with her right now. She says, yes, that's me. Glory, hallelujah. Many that know us can't believe how we have endured all this and never let go of our faith. Yeah. Hallelujah, Lord. Those who wait on Jesus will witness Jesus. And when you witness Jesus, you will be his witness. That's her. And let that be you, church. Sister, if you're watching on this live stream, you told me you would be, and I hope you're here. Thank you. Thank you. I'll never forget you. Church... I don't know what you're waiting on God for today. I know there are hurts in this room, fears and struggles. But would you worship while you wait? And this same God who met Anna in this temple, day in and day out, will meet you in your pain. And you will witness him. You will see Jesus in ways that you wouldn't apart from the struggle you're in. But when you see him, please be his witness because someone needs to know how God has brought you through. Someone needs you to testify how even in your discouragement and struggle, why you never let go of your faith. There is a world around us, church, that is dying. There is a world that is waiting and they don't even know for what they are waiting 
And you know what they long for. They long for redemption. They long for Jesus. They long for the coming of God who became man so that he could take that cross that we could never take. So that he who knew no sin would become sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Church, when you wait, you will witness. And when you witness, you be his witness. Let's pray. God, that you would use us. I still, I'm blown away. <laughs> what I thought was a random text message, come to find out you had been planning this for a long time, God. <laughs> there were people you were preparing. There were prayers that were uttered before we even knew that you had a solution. But you knew. For my sister who lives in the suburbs, Lord, would you bless her with a permanent place to live? provide for her and her children and grandchildren. But above all, Lord, be her strength. And for her kids, be their strength. The mournings and loss that they have experienced, God, would they know that you are not a God who has abandoned them, but a God who holds them. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room where life has not been drawn up the way or ends up being the way that they drew it up. I pray that they would know, God, that although they may not know your will, it doesn't mean that you don't know your will. God, your word tells us that that in all things, you will work together in things for good for those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. So, Lord, I pray that we would go out with that kind of, man, just strength from you knowing that you're working in all of it. And like Anna, Lord, may may we not be able to be silenced because of our thankfulness. Oh, Lord, we shout joy to this world. You have come. Our King has come. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise to our feet and close in song. Ah, church. Man, we serve a God who is so good, so good. Man, Christmas is this week, church. You celebrate our Savior, church. Don't make it about the presence. Don't make it about all the other things that are good. They're good things. Enjoy them, but don't enjoy them without Jesus. Keep him at the center of all you do. We're going to keep him front and center. This Thursday for our Christmas Eve service, These are a special time for us to kind of really center ourselves on him. So please join us in person or the live stream at 7 o'clock. Because, man, we've got to keep our eyes on him no matter what. No matter what comes our way. And let's make this a week of just worship, of prayer, of fasting, of celebration. Because our God came to redeem his lost people. Yeah. I want to leave you with this blessing from Isaiah 43.1, which says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Israel, He who formed you, O Jacob, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
God bless you, church family. We'll see you all Thursday. Have a great, great week. Merry Christmas.